If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. of Tap Into The Truth. Thank you very much for joining us. With you as always, I'm your ever so humble host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And I am so pleased to announce and let you know that joining me live right here at the top of the show is Mr. Matt Fitzgibbons. He has been with us uh, before, but tonight's going to be a little bit different, a little different than the usual show period. We're going to be talking a little politics right off the top. Then we're going to take a a look at... uh, Matt's music. We're going to take uh, some time to look at it, but before we do all that, let me go ahead and welcome Matt to the show. Uh, Mr. Fitzgibbons, thank you very much for joining us tonight, and welcome back to the show. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much, Tim. All right, the honor is actually all mine. It's uh, always a blessing to get an opportunity to speak with a historian and a passionate patriot who uh, demonstrates that passion, and that's something you certainly do through your music. And uh, we'll be taking a look at that. But uh, you turned some heads earlier, uh, about a week and a half ago, maybe a little bit longer now. Uh, Time passes rather quickly with the current news cycle. Uh, But you uh, raised some headlines and uh, made some waves when uh, you had an article and was discussing uh, the ins and outs of fake news, especially uh, how AOL, AOL, uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook is becoming outdated about as much as AOL is now, Perhaps that's my slip of the tongue there. Uh, but uh, specifically how Facebook is planning on using certain agencies and such to verify what is and isn't fake news. I kind of wanted to start right there, if you don't mind. What exactly is your take on that as we uh, discuss? Well, you know, some of the um, – some, some organizations, I think incorrectly, have – um, referred to what Facebook is planning to do as censorship. But I think right out of the gate, I think it's important to acknowledge, um, or at least for me to say, I should say, that because Facebook is a privately owned corporation, 
it's completely within their prerogative to determine what their user policy is going to be. And, of course, nobody ever reads these things, but, uh, and they can change them at their whim. So right now they currently, or I should say as of a couple of weeks ago, they had uh, five or six different radio buttons whenever you saw a post. And you could click a radio button to essentially complain that something was uh, pornography or it went against your views, annoying or distasteful, um, advocated harm to a person or animal or something else. And they've since added this new radio button where you can flag something as a fake news story. And what they've decided to do is hire these known left organizations like Snopes.com and PolitiFact to do their fact-checking for them, which is really like uh, having the fox guard the hen house. And it's, uh, it's kind of funny if, um, if it weren't happening, but it is happening. And I think it's going to infuriate a lot of Facebook users. I would think you're probably right. Again, a lot of that going back to the fact that I think Facebook users really don't understand the whole idea of user agreement, and they, and I'm glad you pointed that out at the top. It's something that everybody should keep in mind. Uh, they do kind of call the shots. It's their space, uh, making reference to a previous social media site. It's not exactly <laughs> uh, my space. It's, it's their space. But, uh, yeah, the whole idea and the concept here, though, is that the great thing about social media has been to this point that we have uh, been able to express a wildly uh, wide berth when it comes to freedom of speech uh, previously uh, to the point that it's not hard to find any level of uh, profanity. Uh, it's gotten rather common. Uh, normal rules of polite etiquette in society and how you normally would speak pretty much out the window. Uh, sometimes we forget that we're not just talking to our little circle of friends, uh, but unless you have specified that, uh, it gets everywhere. I, I have a ton of folks that aren't fans that constantly make comments uh, towards news stories and show topics when I post them myself using social media to spread it. The uh, amazing thing to me, though, and I'm glad you mentioned Snoops by name, is that they have been branded as one of those, uh, well, what's a good term for them? Trustworthy. Uh, you know, they're, yeah, well, they they have been considered trustworthy, and for good reason initially, but as a, uh, as a source of verification, uh, when it comes to uh, the Hollywood uh, gossip type, and certain urban legends, they did a phenomenal job. But they have been caught, undeniably, on more than one occasion, uh, playing fast and loose with what they consider to be the truth when it comes to political stories, and they have a huge leaning towards the left. Not surprising they'd be selected, though, because, again, most uh, social media sites, Facebook in particular, you know, a huge leaning towards the left when it comes to the folks calling the shots. Does it surprise you any in the least that fake news continues to be almost a, a tagline now for every story that comes down the pike? I mean, at, even looking at uh, Donald Trump's uh, press conference today, uh, fake news essentially played a pretty big role. We don't even seem to have a true definition for what constitutes fake news. Are we going to be able to get to a point, do you think, that we can actually – all agree upon what a definition is 
for fake news? No, I think that's a very good question because I think the answer is no. Um, you know, if I kind of rewind and back up and look at this from a historical perspective, you know, my knowledge of American history, and it's not, you know, complete, but um, from what I know, um, even before our republic was founded, uh, even when we were running under the Articles of Confederation and, and long before that, Americans were never under the delusion that newspapers were by any stretch go going to be fair or accurate or that they were going to be unbiased. Americans understood that um, anybody and everybody who wanted an opinion out would would go to a particular paper that was supportive of that view in order to put it out there. And I think it was only in recent years throughout American history that a large percentage of the public was unfortunately duped into believing that, you know, Walter Cronkite and the mainstream three network news uh, channels, say, from, I don't know, 50s or something onward, were, uh, were neutral. When in fact, throughout our history, that's not been the case. So I guess my perspective is to say that from a historical view, we're kind of returning to normalcy, even though it looks like chaos. And uh, believe it or not, this might sound like a really shocking thing to say, but I actually think Facebook doing this is a, is a very good thing. Well, yeah, I, actually, uh, I would agree with that. Uh, I think that it does provide us that little bit of perspective because the problem has always been, and it has been getting worse and worse with each uh, election cycle in particular here in recent history, that for a lot of people, it's no longer tell me what's happening. It's become tell me what I want to hear. I don't care if it's true or not. By making this such a big deal, I think it does kind of force us to – at least some of us anyway, to kind of reevaluate what we expect from journalism and what we should expect as far as reporting. Uh, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, yeah, that and, uh, and yeah, absolutely. And the other, the other picture, the way that I view this is that, you know, we have various things happen throughout human history. The invention of the uh, printing press, for example, Gutenberg, um, you know, where books were widely available for the first time in history. And then the Internet. And I was on the Internet very, very early. And I made a lot of these really stupid mistakes um, several times to the point where I had sufficient embarrassment by forwarding something that was patently false, um, only to have somebody I didn't know call me on it. And I felt so terrible and humiliated and everything that I decided anything that looks too good to be true or something that touches me emotionally, and I'm not talking about kitten or puppy videos, but something of a political or historical nature that's got any sensational quality. I think back to that old scientific adage um, that uh, extraordinary claims require extraordinary proof. So... I now will go out and double check that source and I you know and I have some feel for which places can be trusted and which ones can't and and you know take responsibility when I hover over that share button to make sure it's accurate. So the reason I say in my opinion that this is a good thing that Facebook is doing it um is because when somebody's grandmother or any any individual in the United States puts up a post because they saw something that struck them as correct. Maybe they did do their research, vet it, confirm that it's accurate. And then it gets flagged as fake news. 
what that's going to do is it's going to educate the American public and wake them up and make them realize that any one of these companies, whatever, you know, whether it's uh, CNN, for example, or if it's Facebook or any of these other organizations, that they personally have the responsibility to go out and do the research and find out whether or not it's true, that hitting like and share and making the assumption that they're getting accurate information those days were never true, but if they ever were, they're sure over. All right, well, uh, you know, I, I have absolutely no qualms with any of that, sir. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, now, real quick, let's kind of hit the topic of the day hot button. Uh, Donald Trump's uh, first press conference since the election. You are a historian. Was there anything historic about uh, that today, other than, again, references to fake news and calling out some of the media? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. You know, it's funny. I was kind of thinking about uh, Obama's exit speech um, as being um, historic. Uh, I don't think any other president in the history of the republic has used the word I so many times. Um, <laughs> but as far as Donald <laughs> Trump is concerned, I've got to be honest with you. I had, I had a couple of really good belly laughs in there. I really think that, uh, you know, him pointing a finger at, at the CNN uh, reporter and saying, your organization is fake news, I, um, I worry, to be honest with you, about whether or not um, – there's a fine line between presidential conduct you know, getting out there and tweeting about everybody who has something bad to say about him, for example. I, I, you know, I hope that doesn't continue. But to be honest with you, I think what he said today was what um, a lot of Americans are thinking. And they're just mind blown that, uh, that the guy actually had the courage to do it and say it. Of course, he doesn't think. He just does it. So um, right. from a historical perspective, he certainly has a boatload of charisma. And right now, the only... Uh, president, the only uh, president that I can think of um, that I, I see historic parallels with her is perhaps Teddy Roosevelt, simply because of his uh, his charisma. Well, that's uh, actually a pretty interesting comparison. Uh, both uh, rather bold in their statements, and uh, neither one of them had any compunctions about using government to solve problems, uh, as far as what they solves problems. Uh, a lot of the conversation has been centered around, uh, of course, the antics, uh, the almost uh, circus atmosphere of the finger pointing. And uh, not a lot of people have talked about actually some of the stuff that I think was the meat and potatoes, uh, saying that they are going to repeal and replace Obamacare, saying that uh, they are going to make the uh, Mexican government pay for the wall it's just not going to be a direct payment kind of thing. A lot of stuff was in there. Nobody's really been talking about that yet. Did we lose some of uh, the impact of what this speech should have been because of the finger pointing and that kind of thing? Yeah, there's a there's a distinct possibility of that, that it actually backfired. I've, um, I read a couple of articles uh, from those on the left who are of the opinion that they uh, – you know, this incredibly fake, unvetted news story started by BuzzFeed and then, uh, you know, pushed on by CNN actually detracted from their ability to ask them about specific policy questions and perhaps uh, recent appointees. 
but at the end of the day, you know, um, he's going to be inaugurated in, um, in nine days from now. So how much content can, and policy can we really expect from a press conference when the man's not even sworn in yet? So I, I look at it as um, kind of a, a representation, perhaps, of the tone to come. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Which uh, perhaps is a good thing, but time will tell. As it does with all things. All right, uh, let's go ahead and switch gears. Let's get to what we came here for tonight, and that, sir, is to talk about and play some of your music. Uh, you have been on before. We kind of touched on this uh, previously, but for anybody who missed the previous show or who hasn't uh, had the pleasure of hearing you uh, interview, especially on the topic, uh, let's start off talking a little bit about PatriotMusic.com and what led you into that. We'll start with that. Well, the uh, the quick version of it is uh, somewhere around 16 years old, uh, when I first read Plato's Republic, I fell in love with philosophy and knew I wanted a degree in philosophy. I went to uh, quite a few schools, uh, five actually, in four years in high school, and ended up overseas uh, after I had my degree in philosophy from the University of Connecticut. And I was teaching corporations and things, and then after that, multinational groups in Manhattan for several years. And I came to this realization that while our republic is formed, it's made of everyone, of people from every single culture around the planet, but yet there's something unique about us. And I also realized that from these different schools that I'd gone to, I had some holes in my historical knowledge, so I had some pretty good, um, solid opinions, but when... I had a conversation with someone who really understood their history. I, I was struggling, so I decided to just 
drop everything else outside of work and just read, 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 read from the beginning. And I did this for many years, and I'm still addicted to it. And I came to the conclusion uh, while teaching these multinational groups that the thing that makes us unique, despite being made up of cultures from all over the planet, are, is a passion for our simple but timeless principles, those in the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, and the Constitution. And I've been a musician all of my life. So it seemed logical. Um, actually, I shouldn't say logical, because the truth is I wrote a song uh, called Well Earned, and this was like in 2004, posted it up on the Internet, and it got a lot of traction. A lot of people approached me, and one Australian buddy of mine actually was the one who suggested, he said, listen, you know, you've got these two passions. We talk about politics and history and everything, and, you, you know, you know all this stuff, and you write good music. Have you ever considered maybe doing a little bit more than just this one song? And a light bulb went off above my head, and within a week or two, I uh, registered PatriotMusic.com as my domain and uh, decided to create uh, the first CD, which was in 2005. So it's been some time that I've been at it, but my goal essentially is to stay out of partisan politics as much as I possibly can, because I don't see the Republicans as having a monopoly over liberty. I don't see you know, the Democrats having a monopoly over tyranny by any stretch. My goal is really just to hopefully write good music that inspires people to to want to think about, talk about, and, and spread these simple but timeless ideas that made us the longest-standing, freest republic in the history of our species. Well, since you brought it up, let's uh, go ahead and play Well Earned. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for your listening pleasure, this is Matt Fitzgibbon, and the song is Well Earned. You just heard uh, part of the story. We'll get a little more about it when we get back on the other side. In 76, with a stroke of a pen, Jefferson declared the rights of all men, that God made us free, and that government serves Protect all the rights that each soul deserves. And in 78, under cold winter skies, troops were aware they were out of supplies. And with the food all but gone, and no shoes on their feet, they fight till the
That was Well Earned by Matt Spitzgibbons, the first of the songs we'll be playing tonight. Uh, certainly not the last, though. Uh, that one, I think, is pretty straightforward, and uh, I think uh, as far as the uh, history you're telling, but what was it that uh, actually led you to start writing that particular song? So it would have been in 2004, and what I saw at that point was some of the other Americans who are a little bit older than millennials will recall that for a very brief period of time after 9-11, we forgot all of our partisan differences. The United, uh, the United States truly was united for a very short period of time, and afterwards, um, things started to, uh, to really, really get much worse. The federal government, for example, on both sides had decided to go after American citizens to start um, listening to our communications. We had uh, the, the extreme left, for example, going after troops uh, that, you know, just Americans who were going and essentially going to fight for other people's rights overseas. Uh, all of these big constitutional questions. And um, again, it's kind of cool for me, you know, that you played this, this track because it's really the first one that launched PatriotMusic.com, the whole thing that I've been doing for 11 years. It's it's apropos that you started off with it, but uh, going back and thinking about why I wrote the song, I think it was just, um, I kind of wrote it for me, and it turned out that other people liked it, and I put it out there, and uh, it seemed that they did. Well, uh, it's absolutely, uh, considering the topic, you know, the one thing that struck out to me, and we talked about this before, that it was always your intention, is that you managed to be historical and patriotic without taking a political leaning one direction or the other. This is just you loving America and what we fought for. And I, I love the music itself with this as it's has kind of a, a cross the feel to me kind of falls somewhere between Billy Joel and uh, uh, now I can't think of his name. I'm going to be really embarrassed here when I uh, think of it, but uh, Bob Dylan. Yeah. Because, uh, just the way the music flows, I mean, you're almost, just to me, in my opinion, you're kind of somewhere right in between there. And it just, it's a really nice song. And this is one of my favorites out of the group, although uh, I'll let you know a little sooner. There were three songs of all the music that you shared with me that really, really just, that's the kind of thing I've been listening to. I admit I've been listening four or five times uh, to some of these songs almost daily since you sent them to me. I really, really like them. And I'll, I'll also take this opportunity real quick to remind everyone listening, these songs are copyrighted, and we are playing them with the permission of the artist, so please respect the copyrights. Uh, as you move forward with that, though, uh, one of the other things that you had mentioned in a previous visit, though, is that you had to be real careful about some of the imagery you'd use for uh, album covers and the like, that in certain circles, uh, even just showing a flag was considered offensive. Yeah, uh, remind us a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah, I, you know, I still encounter this stuff, believe it or not. You know, the music industry is just so, it's so partisan, it's so left-wing, you know. Um, 
I mean, if you look at a lot of these songwriting contests, for example, and just look at who wins, it's uh, very often it's based on the lyrical content because it's real hard left stuff. And uh, I did uh, a really long interview. Uh, it was probably a mistake years ago out of uh, New York. Um, and I, I, maybe I shouldn't say it was a mistake. I think I did all right, but it was a three-hour interview, and we took callers from all over New York City and Long Island and Connecticut and everything. And, you know, your your show is two hours. You know, add another hour onto that, and, and yet you don't have the experience. So when I come into this studio, and uh, the uh, program manager really loved the music, and I asked him afterwards, I said, uh, I said, hey, I'm just curious, uh, how many copies of my CDs do you want? And he said, uh, just one. And I said, you know, and he was raving about the music and everything. And I asked him, I said, well, I'm just curious, how many DJs do you have? And he said, oh, I don't know, 12. And I said, well, don't you want me to leave you that many? He said, no, they won't play them. There's a flag on the cover. They're going to just look at the cover and say it's Republican. And it floored <laughs> me. But on the other hand, I was also really appreciative of this guy being so cool as to tell me the truth. You know what I mean? Um, but it really floored me, and I think my jaw was open in the whole drive home, thinking to myself, really? I mean, is this possible? Can people actually look at the American flag and see that as a Republican icon? <laughs> and uh, since then, I've found that that's quite true. It's, uh, you know, uh, unfortunate, but um, a lot of, you know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of people in the, in, the, in the entertainment industry lean so far left that they don't even know what normal is anymore. So but a lot of the music I wrote was based on the idea of just trying to be truthful and faithful to our founding principles. And uh, those are neither Republican nor Democrat. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we do live in a time where you have ultra-progressive-minded people that uh, say that the American flag is a symbol of oppression and they're fighting to keep it from being flown over public universities so i can imagine trying to uh put that kind of thing out there and, and so many people who claim to be liberal these days i have no idea what even the uh, definition of classic liberalism is it's more about being willing to stand up to authority in order to preserve rights and not trying to whitewash everything and unfortunately that's about where we're at these days with people who think of themselves as liberal uh I'm yeah, willing to guess yeah, I mean, that this. Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, you're spot on because, um, I mean, I, I don't, I, I can't speak for you, but do, do you find it as awkward as I do to have to use the term classical liberal? Like, why do we have to add those three extra syllables? You know, and and the reason is because the term was hijacked. The founding fathers referred to themselves as liberal, which meant tolerant, and um, and yet we find those on the far left are extremely intolerant of any ideas whatsoever that don't mesh with their personal vision of utopia, whether or not that has anything to do with human nature. So I will refer to myself as a states rights libertarian or a bill of rightist simply because if somebody asks, you know, what's your political leaning? And I say, I'm a bill of rightist. It usually elicits the question, what's that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> as opposed to having the, the mouthful of classical liberal. I mean, because the term was basically hijacked by those who were 180 degrees of the belief system. So now we've got this long phrase. And every every time these you know tyrants essentially are discovered, 
for despising our founding principles, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, um, every time that they're discovered for their true belief system and, and how it actually ends up working in the real world when it's implemented, they turn around and then they give themselves a new name, you know, like as if a, a, a new logo and a new tagline is going to change it all. Right. I mean, that's how we've managed to go from uh, just uh, being Democrats to suddenly being liberal to suddenly being progressive. Uh, the bottom line is once the majority of people catch on to what the new branding is, it's time for a new branding. So uh, that's par for the course, though, for folks that are – they know they're peddling ideology that doesn't typically set well – with the average American. So they paint it up and try to make it look pretty and change their name and say, oh, no, I'm not that, I'm this. And it works for a little while, unfortunately. But, yeah. All right. Uh, it does. Let me and, go and, ahead and, and play the – Okay. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, um, maybe I'm opening a big can of worms, but uh, from my perspective historically, you know, the Republican Party has done something similar as well. Both parties have moved – towards uh, a larger, more powerful federal government, and it's, they're directly related to each other. So the larger that government is, the less liberty we have. You know, they're inversely proportionate. So right. something, can be, something can be said about that from, uh, you know, I guess the modern term for those would be rhinos. For Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Example, uh, those who claim to be Republicans but don't understand the concept of a republic and they seek to use the federal government as a weapon to implement their own vision of morality. And I think really, you know, going back to the press conference today, this is kind of the beginning of it for a lot of people who are particularly for libertarians or those who are very, very interested and passionate about individual liberty and basically having the government get out of their way. I think that's really one of the big questions about this upcoming administration is whether or not they're going to be true to our founders' principles, or if you know there are going to be those in the administration that will use the power as a way to implement their own vision of morality. And that's uh, certainly something that uh, we need to 
keep an eye on and hold these people accountable to. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I in no way uh, mean to indicate that uh, there are people with an R at the end of their name that are not as just as guilty, and in some cases even more so. Uh, there are so-called progressives uh, in both parties and running as independents and everywhere else. Uh, the idea of small government just it, 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 the way they react to it when you say something about following the Constitution or reducing the power of the federal government, they act like it's literally uh, they've been hit in the <laughs> between the eyes. They're like, "Huh? Are you serious?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Oh, you know we. If I don't get to play some more music, we'll sit here and talk all night, which I wouldn't mind doing, by the way, but I promised you we'd play music. so uh, Okay, I'll try to not control myself. We, uh, if, <laughs> no, not a problem. I mean, that's part of what we're here is It's supposed to be the conversation. It's supposed to build up, and that's the whole point of the music, too. And you know what else? If we don't get to everything and if you're up for it, we can get back together some other time and get the rest of it in. But because uh, I'm not sure when we can uh, get that done where your schedule and my schedule work, but I'm definitely open to it because I loved everything on here, and I'd love for the listeners to get to hear all of it if they haven't. Uh, I was going to go ahead and play next something that I think, to me, comes across as being a really fun song. Uh, it's kind of upbeat, uh, and I'm willing to guess that uh, there are a certain group of people that probably made their eyes bleed if they heard the song, and the title's kind of... Uh, the punchline of a joke that I like to tell a lot, um, that being, of course, that my idea of gun control is, in the title of the song, using both hands, using both which hands. is kind of what's there. So we're going to play that, and then afterwards we'll talk a little more about it. So uh, hang on, and here we go. Using both hands 
is using both hands. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Using Both Hands by Matt Fitzgibbons. Now, Matt, in my mind, that song should be in the bumper rotation of every conservative, every libertarian, and every constitutionalist talk show that is out there, period. <laughs> it's a great song. It's got a simple enough thought process behind it, but at the same time, it's so fundamentally correct. And uh, I love the upbeatness of it too. Uh, what was it that, cool. uh, yeah, that one, really motivated that, you? That, Go ahead. Yeah, well, that one, I got to tell you, man, that was like one of the funnest, if that's a word, what, you know, the most fun songs uh, to record, to go out and do all this stuff. And for all those gun enthusiasts, and by the way, I wrote this thing in 2006, I guess it was, because this was on the second album. Uh, my good friend, uh, rock nurse uh, Jay Silverberg, uh, played the lead on this one. But um, I had an idea at the time when I was out there um, firing all these weapons to capture the sounds, uh, to use the samples and the snares actually overlaid with a, uh, uh, is it a 223 or a 308? I'm not sure which of the two. I think it's a 223 actually mixed in. So I have all these gunshots and everything. And it dawned on me after we were shooting and cracked a beer, you know, the guns are all locked away. Those are the rules, of course. And it dawned on me, I was like, wow, could I buy all these weapons and write them off? <laughs> <laughs> and and a couple of guys were, looked at me and they're like, oh, you know, they were like green, green envied eyes, you know, and they were like, man. And then I realized suddenly I was like, no, nope, I live in Connecticut, better not do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is no question. That is a great song, Matt. I really, really like that one. And like I said, that should be uh, in the uh, bumper rotation uh, uh, everywhere. And I, I hope uh, I can just see uh, some folks, though, popping blood vessels and having aneurysms. What does he mean? Guns are bad. They kill people. But <laughs> it's just uh, it's, a, it's a great song. I love it. Um, I mean, my you know, my my reaction to anybody who has that kind of an attitude about guns, because, you know, one of the newer tunes that I've got off the new album is another pro, uh, you know, self-defense uh, song as well. But my reaction is, could you imagine if, if, if there are entire organizations out there, um, media outlets and everybody else, uh, talking about the dangers of free speech or freedom of religion? I mean, these are basic inalienable rights. Governments exist to protect these rights. The idea that government's going to come in and disarm us is just preposterous to me. It goes against everything human nature so... I wrote the song not to tick anybody off, but just simply because, you know, like any of our other inalienable rights, it's just such a fact. But I figured the best way to reach people that were on the fence was by doing a little tongue-in-cheek and make it kind of funny. Well, you certainly accomplished that, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know that that could have really been any better. <laughs> All right. Cool. Uh, Thank next you. up, we're going to play... We're going to uh, play another one real quick. Uh, this one, uh, you kind of hit a strong into uh, a history again. You're telling a historic story with this one. Uh, we're going to play Whiskey.
west of Pittsburgh is home. Since my granddaddy's days, they've left us alone. We lived on the river where we made Panther's breath till the marshal brought death. You fought for your freedom from here to the east. We cleaned out the Tories until the land was at peace. And we picked off the redcoats with our frontiersmen aim. Then the taxman came. The Federalists said that they paid for the war. Tax on corn whiskey Distilled from us poor That we needed some master To keep us in awe So they declared martial law We farmers decided We'd stick together So we covered some tax men With tar and with feathers General Washington headed the army again with 13,000 men. While the gallows are built And it seems that my country Is feeling some guilt They say we've been pardoned Now their point has been made But you should be afraid Ladies and gentlemen, that was Whiskey by Matt Fitzgibbons. Matt, uh, I did kind of notice there seems to be an evolution to your songwriting. Uh, a lot of the earlier songs, this one being a good example, is almost straight you telling a, a historic uh, story, you giving that information, you actually giving a kind of a musical mini history lesson. Uh, and as you move forward, it's become more cerebral uh, in so much as uh, the underlying tones are there, and maybe you have to look for it, but you have almost more of a popular feel 
as opposed to uh, almost a folks uh, folksy kind of feel uh, that some of these earlier songs have, which I love all of it. I mean, I'm certainly no criticism here whatsoever. Would you say that uh, that that's a fairly accurate uh, assessment of your writing evolution, or uh, was that something intentional on your part? I wouldn't say that it's so intentional, but it rather has to do with an evolution. I mean, theoretically, I would like to think that I'm getting better and better at writing songs, but it also has a lot to do with the people that I'm working with. So the vast majority of all the music, um, you know, that I've released over these four CDs, I play um, almost all of the instruments. However, I've not played lead guitar. That's not one thing I do. Um, and on this song that you just listened to, uh, or you just played, Whiskey, and this, of course, is about the Whiskey Rebellion, uh, my good friend and, and um, phenomenal guitarist, Rich Roger, plays the acoustic on this uh, with me. So basically everything that's really complex for all you guitarists who are listening going, man, how did he do that? Well, whenever you ask that question... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's not me. It's Rich Roger doing the acoustic. My guy's phenomenal. So... I would say that when I'm doing it, um, when I'm writing a song completely alone, and if I'm recording it and it's all me, it's going to have more of that folksy kind of a feel, whereas the rock and roll stuff, you'll hear a lot more of, say, Rich Rogers' guitar, uh, you know, coming through his rhythm tracks or lead or something like that. But uh, I've been writing some new stuff recently that's totally different from any of these Um I don't know. I, I've heard people say that uh, out of the four albums, it's as many as six different genres. But I'm kind of the last person to really know for sure because I'm so close to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I mean, when you're a songwriter, every song's your baby. And sometimes, uh, just like real children, uh, sometimes they're uh, behaving well and you're really happy with them. And sometimes... Uh, You've uh, switched things up, and maybe they're misbehaving a little bit compared to what you'd like for them to do. So you don't ever stop loving them, but uh, at the same time, you kind of move around. Uh, and, you know, based on what you do, the fact that your focus is still that patriotic message and trying to maintain a neutrality as far as partisan politics, uh, I would say that uh, it's almost by definition necessary to kind of reach out into these different uh, genres of music. And, and you definitely flow back and forth between them uh, very well. Uh, Thank you. Not that uh, – it, it's not like uh, 
I'm a major music critic and make a big deal about it, but I, like a lot of people, know what I like. And, uh, you know, I didn't, uh, amongst all the uh, stuff that you sent me, I didn't find a single one that I thought, eh. Uh, I definitely didn't uh, come across any. It's like, oh, I can't play that. That's, uh, I mean, it's it's all good, <laughs> and it's uh, it's just it surprises me though. This just, you know, a lot of artists have a hard time moving easily between sounds, uh, and you seem to do that almost naturally. So uh, uh, I guess the bottom line here is I'm uh, trying to. Be very complimentary about the ease in which you uh, move back and forth between the the different styles. You know, I appreciate that very much. I mean, I think if I have any kind of a secret, I'd say there's two things that I do. Um, one of them is I learned a long, long time ago to write with the heart and edit with the mind. And um, one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made was to try to write a song with the mind. Just can't do it. Um, you know, it's best to just kind of channel, let go. And then go back and tweak things a little bit using, you know, the left side of the brain in order to make it good. Um, And um, I guess if there's any other trick that just works for me, frankly, when I'm in writing mode, I don't listen to other music. And I could go as much as nine or ten months and just not listen to music, at least consciously. And I'll get all upset if I go to the supermarket to buy a thing of milk and there's, you know, a three-chord hook from the 80s playing in the store and I'll, I'll actually start humming something else to myself because I don't want to be affected by anybody else's stuff, you know? (laughs) Right. Get home and suddenly, uh, you realize after you've recorded crap, that sounds familiar. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, again, I, I continue to be, uh, really in awe of some of the stuff that you wrote here. Uh, like I said, you go from, almost exclusively little mini history lessons like whiskey and uh, uh, there's a few others that we'll get to uh one of the newer songs though uh and one i'm i'm still trying to, to flip a coin and decide i think it may be my favorite of the ones that you sent me although uh i the hurricane uh, is also in the running but uh this one is the rain's coming uh i absolutely love this song uh, and there's just something about it that resonates, uh, you know, personally with this one. I can't quite put my finger on it, but it's a great song, and I'm going to go ahead and play this, and we'll talk a little bit about that one as soon as we get done. So here we are, ladies and gentlemen, the rain's coming. like a thousand years since we had real fears but the old ones won't forget these broken levee walls had a few close calls but they haven't fallen yet and you know the rain's coming the rain's coming all your days and all your nights storm on you when the sun beats down and it bakes the ground and you watch the rich land die such a vicious drought even hopes in doubt but there are no clouds in the sky 
folks that's the rain is coming uh matt what was it that uh was really the driving force behind this one because i the more i think about it the, the more i'm, I'm kind of leaning towards possibly the fact that i'm kind of a mid 40 something guy this has kind of that 80s rock feel to it a little bit and uh, that might be part of why i'm so partial to it but uh still just a great message with that, uh, and I'm just curious, what was uh, motivating this one? Oh, right after the uh, the the, uh, the the not the inaugurations, but the um, the Democratic Party uh, nomination in 2012, and I realized what was going to happen uh, potentially for the next eight years, to be frank. And uh, I wrote I wrote this piece because I wanted a um, a way to kind of speak to the subconscious, mostly the vet, not to communicate. You know, my goal is sometimes to try to get a message across. That's when I'm, you know, nonpartisan and historical. But there are other times where I just write something, you know, uh, like the Moody Blues famous line, letters are written, never meaning to send. It was this sort of an idea where I wrote it for me. And Rich Roger, again, is all over this. You can hear him, you know, with the smoke coming off the strings during the lead and the incredible... Um, real huge orchestral uh, rock wall of sound, you know, from playing a six-string electric guitar, double-tracked. And um, when I first played this thing for him on an acoustic, um, he looked at me and he said, man, that's the first track on the next album. So um, I don't know. I mean, generally I leave it to everybody else to determine what the words mean to them because, frankly, I think that uh, good music is supposed to evolve with you, you know, like the Beatles or 
so many other bands out there, they mean different things to you and they stay with you. You know, maybe you don't hear a song for years, but the goal as a songwriter is to try to achieve something like that where the words will mean different things to different people at different times in, in their lives and still be appropriate some time later. That's kind of the objective. But this one in particular, I just wrote for me. And uh, it took Rich to basically say, yeah, this is a, this is a tune. We, we need to modernize it and keep that 80s feel like you pointed out. Yeah. Well, you know, that might be part of why it kind of resonates with me a little bit, too. Uh, if it's one of those things that's just basically for you, I, I think that does come through uh, very well, in fact. Uh, as far as uh, the, the warning tone, it's... There is a warning there, but at the same time, it doesn't say, okay, it's the end of the world. It's not Noah's flood. It's just the rain's coming. Be ready. And, uh, you know, next thing, well, if we have to start bailing, we'll start bailing. But uh, when the rain comes, guess what? It also comes to an end. Uh, at least that's yeah, the, that's the just, feel that's, I get from it. And that, Yeah, no, I think yeah. that's an excellent point. You're right, because that's really what I was writing it about was to reassure myself that everything historically happens in cycles. Um, you know, the pendulum's got to swing to one side in order to get to the middle and to the other side to get to the middle again. So, and ultimately, our republic has always found a way. Um, I know this is an often used quote, but uh, Churchill once says, you can always count on America to do the right thing after she's exhausted every other option. <laughs> so <laughs> this song kind of speaks a little bit to that belief, too. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's it's one of my favorites. I'm still trying to decide if it is my favorite or if I have the hurricane uh, is my favorite as far as the stuff that you sent. But, uh, again, just a lot of great tunes. And, in fact, uh, since I've mentioned it a couple of times now, uh, I'm going to go ahead and play I have the hurricane. And, uh, you know, again, to me, there's uh, some some similarities between these songs and not just the fact that uh, there's typically rain involved with Hurricane. This one is a little more hard-hitting, a little more driving at its base, and I think the message is a little bit different in so much as uh, you don't have to have that relaxed, uh, don't be pessimistic. This is more like uh, almost uh, there's work to be done, so, you know, be prepared to stand up to the storm and move on. We'll play the song, and then we'll talk a little more about it once it's done. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, Eye of the Hurricane by Matt Fitzgibbons. Just above the gun Hear the wind Cross the plain There is no fear That I must contain And I'm in the eye Of the hurricane I see the sweat Across his brow Poised to draw in eternal now. The fastest one is the one who's slain. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I told them I would leave. They pushed me just the same. And I'm in the All right, Matt. I've got to know the story behind this one because the uh, the message itself, uh, the the lyrics take you from the feel of a Wild West scenario, 
and then the eye of the hurricane is not something you typically uh, consider to be a literal Western thing, but obviously being uh, metaphoric for uh, stuff's hitting the fan. Uh, <laughs> well, what's the, what's the real story behind this one? Because I, I like it for multiple reasons. It, it really seems to cross uh, a lot of different imagery that I, I really like. You know, studying philosophy, um, I was really, really interested in metaphysics, and um, I kind of got pushed into political philosophy because those were the courses that were available. But later when I lived in Japan, I got a chance to, you know, whenever I had an opportunity, I would go to the uh, to the Buddhist monasteries, for example, and just sit outside in these incredibly ancient places. You know, coming from Connecticut, we think of old you know, you see these grave markers and gravestones and things from continental troops or militia or something like that. But, you know, you travel around the world and you're in these places that are, are just so ancient. It's mind-blowing. And I got to talking with um, some people in Japan, and I learned a little bit about this concept of uh, Satori, the Zen of um, what the uh, Bushido, what the, um, the samurai warrior would go through. And the concept was essentially their mind would be completely clean and clear of all thoughts of every sort, that they were ready to do battle. And I imagined that those in um, the West or even today uh, who unfortunately have to defend themselves will find themselves in this kind of emptiness, this empty state where you're nothing but pure reaction. It's kind of the goal um, you know, from a spiritual level, but also from a physical level and physical confrontation. So that was kind of the heart and soul of the chorus. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was going for that old West feel and to just try to make the protagonist, uh, by the way, the rain's coming last song that you played. Um, there's a video for that one. And one other little thing, I don't know what the sound quality is, um, coming through my phone. There's a lot of compression, but I know that it has to be that way for, uh, you know, for, um, for for shows, but if there's any question about the quality of these things, these things were mixed, you know, super high quality by my friend A.J. Sorensen at SureSoundRecording.com, uh, and um, I, sorry for the blatant pitch there, but I just wanted to assure anybody that if it's coming across compressed, uh, please, you know, cover the website and check it out and listen to the samples or full tunes of some of these tracks so you can hear what it really really sounds like but like the wind for example goes from left to right and i'm really proud of those little additions that you know an artist is thrilled to find an engineer that adds that stuff and kind of creates the the movie in your head you know so i want to do a video for this one but we'll we'll see what the future brings if anyone's a videographer listening by the way and you want to come on board contact me because i i have a i have a great idea for a video on this one and let's just say that the protagonist is not who everyone might expect him to be. I want to do like a Twilight Zone sort of an ending to this video. <laughs> well, I certainly hope you get the opportunity to make that. I'd be looking forward to seeing it. Um, yeah, I mean, that is one of the things that I think, unfortunately, a lot of people who are familiar with these uh, broadcasts know that uh, sometimes by the time you download something and then you upload it again and then you play it off of the switchboard, uh, sometimes the quality has been diminished. Uh, thankfully, most of the other tracks have played pretty well. That is probably the worst sound quality uh, of anything we've played to this point. And I, I can also assure you, uh, based on the original copies I got, the sound quality is phenomenal, and it is in full three-dimensional sound, especially that one. 
that was one of the reasons why this song uh, is right there trying to decide if it is this or the rain is coming is my favorite uh, because this one just hits that impact, and I just love the imagery that goes with this. Uh, it's just, it really does set the tone. And in a lot of ways, I'd love to see your idea for the video, but in other ways, I'd love actually having my own video playing in my mind with this one, just because, again, those imageries are so cool. Uh, yeah, I, I just can't say anything better. But yeah, definitely head over to patriotmusic.com check everything out there is a link to patriotmusic.com in the show description today by the way so if you happen to be catching this later on in podcast form you're checking it out in the uh, archives what have you by all means move on over there the link is right there in the show description it'll take you directly there and it's you know, again, getting back to the song, I, I, I just love that song. And by the way, that one was my wife's favorite. Uh, oh, that's she, interesting. Uh, huh. She uh, she was I, I had her sit down and listen uh, to several of these with me, and she, her attention span kind of waned a few times here and there. But that one, she actually sat completely silent for and loved every bit of it. And then when we came back around, she's like, play that one again. <laughs> she absolutely loved that one too. And I think for for much the same reasons uh, that I like it. Uh, just the uh, just such a cool image. Uh, being a, yeah, well, a fan yeah, of the gunslinger. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, actually, I was going to say something very similar to you. You know, the whole idea was to kind of create this kind of spaghetti western sort of a feel to it. You know, the fan of the gunslinger, and I threw in some of those lines that. You know, when we were kids and we heard, and I can't remember the reference to the movie, but um, one of the lines um, in it was, uh, you know, the fastest one uh, is the one who's slain. I still stand. I got the better aim. You know what I mean? Like, don't don't be the fastest. Be the most accurate sort of a thing. I try to throw in a little bit of, uh, you know, tidbits that we all pick up from the spaghetti westerns as a kid that you're like, wow, pearls of wisdom. <laughs> And they'll tell you the same thing at the range. When you know, when you go learn self-defense, for example, to conceal carry, they'll tell you the same thing. If you have a good instructor, that is. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, usually nine times out of ten, if you're trying to draw too quickly, uh, you may get your shot off first, but there's no telling exactly where that shot's going to. So yeah, and this should be a lesson learned by now. If just if you've watched enough movies, uh, usually the first guy getting the shot off doesn't normally win the gunfight. But uh, at any rate, uh, just fantastic song. But we'll move along to the next one. Uh, this one uh, deems back towards the more uh, obvious on the the patriotic side of things. The patriotism in that one, uh, it's there because it's paying homage to a great. Uh, portion of American history, although not everyone thinks so. But in, in this one, this is a little more uh, straight-up patriotic. Uh, I'm going to play For the Heroes. Take me for the fool I know that I can be 
Whether you see me eye to eye or if we disagree, I'll be your friend until the end. I'll see you through. Whether you heal the casualties or you kill to keep us free, whether it's goods that you prepare or you help bring them there, for all you've done for everyone, I won't forget. Or you fear your life will end? No, you've got 300 million friends for everything you've done. I sing, you're in our prayers. Ladies and gentlemen, that was For the Heroes, Matt Fitzgibbons again. Uh, I guess there's not a big mystery about uh, who that's directed towards, but uh, just out of curiosity, what was the motivation uh, that brought that forth? What was our time frame with that song? So that one is actually For the Heroes 2.0. In 2005, I wrote that track to be um, part of this new album and, uh, you know, the first album that I, that I released, um, along these lines, essentially when I started the patientmusic.com concept and I had the fortune of having all of my nuclear family, um, around on Christmas Eve. And, um, you know, of course 
all the kids um, and just everyone, absolutely everybody in the family was there. And it dawned on me, you know, feeling this this wonderful feeling as we were driving home, yeah, my wife and I, and it dawned on me that um, somebody that night was getting a letter about one of their loved ones, uh, a, a son, a daughter, a husband, you know, um, that they were killed overseas. And I sat down, picked up my guitar at about 1 o'clock in the morning, and I had this thing written in 30 minutes. Um, so this version wow. that you just played, I just I just released this version on my latest album, Pawns, only um, a little bit over a month ago, I guess, uh, maybe two months maximum. But uh, I wanted to pick it up, modernize it, and bring it back. Because, you know, when I originally put this out there, um, I just let it out for free. I couldn't, you know, ride the coattails of all the men and women and everything. i got to tell you something. You know, the greatest feeling that I've ever gotten um, has been when I've gotten letters um, from parents or spouses or kids who have lost parents overseas saying that the music matters to them. There's no way to put that stuff into words. So, you know, when I originally re- released this song on um, the first album, um, it was just, you know, for free, pushed it out there and everything. But I wanted to bring it back up to speed because the message touched so many of those people. And we often forget, you know, we think about our heroes, for example, who have uh, offered their bodies, their lives, their futures uh, for the concepts that this republic was based on and, and essentially for the liberty of, of complete strangers overseas. But we often forget about their family members. And uh, so anyway, you know, that's why I wanted to redo the song, get it out. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Out there again and, uh, and, and address this really, really important issue. Well, I certainly uh, I commend the effort, and uh, I think you certainly uh, certainly do a good job of again conveying those same ideas. And uh, you know, one of the things that I talk about quite a bit on the show when we're talking about uh, our military heroes or our first responders, particularly when we're approaching one of the holidays where we're supposed to keep those uh, folks in mind, whether it be Veterans Day or Memorial Day. As I always try to remind everybody that the families are serving as well. And unless you've been in a military family, it's really hard to really understand how much uh, that does affect. Uh, way too often, uh, most Americans, we're fortunate enough to be able to take that kind of thing for granted. And it, in a lot of ways, is a disservice to the folks that are sacrificing every day. Uh, whether they're the active duty serving or whether they're the stay-at-home uh, parent while their significant other is serving. Uh, and uh, this song uh, is really, really, it's 
you know, again, it, it touches me so deeply I have trouble even getting the words. Uh, it does a fantastic job of reminding everybody that there is this going on constantly, and and we should keep that in mind, not just on a holiday, but all the time. And, and that's another good reason to head over to uh, patriotmusic.com and, and <laughs> download a copy of this one and uh, play it every day. I think that would be fantastic. I should add as well that over the years and uh, even currently, I will gladly work with uh, veterans groups and things to try to spread this message so that uh, they and their families uh, get the deserve the uh, the respect that they deserve. You know. Absolutely. Well, that's fantastic, and I, I'm glad uh, that you're willing to do that because you know a lot of people they talk a good game and then they don't really keep uh, don't really put their money where their mouth is. Uh, so anybody who's willing to do that uh, is worthy of honor and respect, too. So I appreciate your willingness to do that, sir. And I hope others uh, do, too. No, it's, it, it's all good. It's all good. You know, I mean, the bottom line is, you know, people have to remember that the kids, for example, uh, you know, while their parents are deployed, you know, these kids are carrying an angst with them as well. And uh, it's just... It's, it, it radiates into so many different aspects of life, and and that's not even assumed, you know, that someone isn't injured or killed. And it's such a quintessential part of what American liberty is all about, because we don't exist in a vacuum. And in order to uh, in order to keep this liberty, some really nasty stuff has to happen. And um, and I'm, I'll be happy if I you know, live to be an old man and never have to, you know, kill another human being uh, for the rest of my life. I'm, of course, I'd be willing to under the right circumstances without thinking, but I, I totally appreciate those who do it for a pittance of pay and often blatant disrespect, perhaps even from presidents and uh, various administrations and everything. And they do this, and I found over the years working with and speaking with veterans and particularly those in special forces and things, that if you want to find people who understand American history and understand American principles, the values that have given us, allotted us this opportunity for li- uh, for liberty, individual liberty, you need look no further than these men and women who are willing to put everything on the line for it because it's an instinct. If you're going to potentially die for something, you want to know what that thing is. So these folks tend to understand it very, very well. And I have just the utmost admiration for them and their families and everything else. Well, uh, while we're at it, let's go ahead with the next clip here. Uh, Seems like a good time for this one. Uh, Let's go ahead and play Remember the Americans. Just the week before, I 
That was Remember the Americans. Uh, Matt, uh, give us a little background on that one. I wanted to write a piece that would kind of tell the story of a quintessential American family, you know, that uh, always had people fighting in in wars and to kind of bring it back to modern times where it ends with, uh, you know, the fact that it isn't always about men. Um, in whiskey, for example, I had a quote that was straight out of Alexander Hamilton where he, where he said uh, uh, they need some master to keep them in awe. 
and I kind of did the same thing in this song and remember the Americans where I've got um, Mr. Wilson said we'd fight and spread democracy. You know, it was a, it was a direct quote from these, uh, from these people. But I wrote the piece to kind of tell a fictitious story loosely based on my own family's history. Um, my uncle um, was killed in Normandy um, a few weeks after the invasion, and it devastated my father's family. Um, and so many people throughout my family's history have served, and I know that it's had a profound and sometimes devastating effect um, on the family. They came over in the 1860s from from Ireland, um, essentially to learn the military skills to be able to go back to uh, to Ireland and uh, get the British out. And uh, the Civil War, essentially, you know, was about many of the battles. Uh, generals admitted afterwards were about whoever won basically had more Irishmen. You know, the Irish didn't care which side they fought on, <laughs> as long as they got the experience and. Uh, I wanted to kind of tell that story of uh, the quintessential American family that did this, but I got to tell you two, two kind of cool things about it. For me, one of the greatest things about this, there's a video, for example, a video slideshow that I did some years ago. And um, one of the best moments of my life was being able to spend a few days with my father down in uh, just outside of Washington, DC, going to the national archives. And we poured through thousands of photos um, for this, music video for this song and it was uh you know him being a history major and a sergeant in the marine corps um and this was a way that uh that we could each other which isn't always possible and it was very very cool to be able to go down there and do that and on a funny note um when i first started circulating this piece for radio stations the first program uh manager listened to it and uh um, I think he told me to stop by because I remember I was there in person and he said, uh, he said, yeah, I love this song. He said, but I think you have a little bit too much vibrato on that harmonica synthesizer. And I remember doing one of those raised eyebrow things that Spock did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's a real harmonica. Yeah. And I didn't, and I didn't have any money at all. I, I remember I paid for this harmonica with dimes. I mean, I had like a coin jar. I had to run down to the music store and go get this thing. I didn't know how to play it, so um, I was watching the Waltons a lot, and I actually learned how to do the vibrato from watching uh, Jason Walton. <laughs> so anyway, there's kind of a lighthearted take on this piece. Uh, is this a song that's been well-received by uh, those families that uh, have that proud tradition uh, you know, I think most of us, if we're not part of a family, we all know a family where every major battle that has taken place, somebody from the family has been there. They have served and they've they've answered the call time and time again. Have you gotten a lot of support from those families? Because, uh, I mean, this this is essentially all their stories. Yeah, to be honest with you, I really have. And um um, it's, it's kind of an awkward thing for me to talk about because I, um, let's just say that I work with various veterans organizations and, and things like this and do whatever I can. Um, but I don't like to talk about this stuff publicly, but I'll just say that this song in particular, uh, yeah, has been received, um, very well by those who've, uh, 
um, you know, who've lost someone overseas, and uh, and I'll continue to do what little tiny part I can to uh, show my respect for it. Yeah, that's that was the general vibe I got to the first time that I heard it. I I just had this image of three generations of uh, kind of a New England family. Uh, it was just the image that popped into my head. Uh, just, you know, the pictures on the wall and that grandfather type is sitting around telling the grandkids stories about uh, grand great-grandfather such and such and uncle such and such. And, you know, I, I think it just, it sets the stage. And again, the theater of the mind is very well laid out with that song in it. I, I really appreciate it uh, from uh, multiple perspectives myself. So, again, I had to make Thank sure you. I, I would that encourage. one in. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I would encourage anybody who likes the song to go check out the video as well. You can go, you know, patriotmusic.com. There's a video where there are a bunch of photos that uh, are very rarely, if if never seen, that uh, kind of add to it. I only have one regret about this song, and that is that um, it should be clear to anybody listening to this interview or any of the others I've done that I'm rarely, you know, rarely at a loss for words. But the restrictions of lyrics, um, you know, trying to trying to say all these things and do it all in this very restricted space and to complement the music and everything isn't always that easy to do. And um, I feel a little bad about the fact that I've got this line in there, well, I skipped Korea, but my son was sent to Vietnam. I feel terrible about skipping Korea, but I just couldn't add another verse, you know, because uh, mm-hmm. it's important that we don't, because Korea is called the Forgotten War, and it didn't dawn on me until... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. After it was released, I was like, oh, great. I did it, too. Yeah. Well, uh, that's, uh, I don't think uh, anyone other than uh, than one of these families would probably even notice that. Uh, but, yeah, that's, uh, that, that is an interesting tidbit. I, I really I didn't particularly notice it when I was listening to it, so uh, I'm sure a few more tries. I probably would have been calling you back up and say, hey, do you realize? <laughs> but, uh, obviously, you do. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, well, you know, it's amazing to me. We have less than 30 minutes left of the two-hour show, and you know, we've still got a lot of songs that you sent me that I'd like to try and get at least most of them done, so we probably should jump right in with the next one. Uh, what do you say we play Give Me Liberty next? And uh, we'll do that. Cool, ladies and gentlemen. your show. This is, uh, <laughs> Matt Fitzgibbons, Give Me Liberty. 
step to take It's our republic different Will we end the tyranny? Will our children live in slavery? Well, I think the message is hard to miss on this one. Uh, obviously, you want liberty. Uh, yeah, I, I like this song uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, number one, the message is simple enough. It has almost that uh, heavy metal feel to it, which is a little bit of a departure from most of the other stuff you said. Uh, again, showing that versatility of where the sounds go to. Um were you trying to channel Patrick Henry in this uh, case, or do you think oh, it would yeah. be a, a heavy metal? I think I think if he spent a couple of months here, I think he would dig the tune eventually because, uh, you know, he just said that on the floor of uh, of the House of Burgesses, and um, he was a, con- a considerable orator. Um, I don't think he knew that that line in particular, out of all the thousands of others, you know, that he said, like, you know, like I said, I wrote For the Heroes, for example, a couple of tracks back that you spun. I wrote that one in 30 minutes, and there have been other tunes where I spent months on that didn't go anywhere. And I suspect that Patrick Henry's famous line, Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death, was probably not one of those that, you know, uh, that he thought was going to actually get picked up. But I, I don't know. I would like to think that he'd appreciate it. But sonically, as far as the tune goes, um, it all started with that little riff, and uh, again, Rich Roger all over it with that big, dark wall, you know, that creates uh, the dichotomy, the contrast between good and evil, and, you know, the enlightenment and our current state, and, uh, 
and the mixing and sound and all the rest of this. Again, you know, my buddy AJ Sorensen, Sure Sound Recording, this stuff is uh, not possible without working with really good people. I may have a nation kernel of an idea, but it's uh, it's important to be around people who can kind of bring their input in and turn it into something that is hopefully going to take the lyrics and spread them as far and wide as possible. Yeah. Well, what I really, really love about the song more than anything is that all that use of dissident tones early on, uh, basically establishing the fact that the person singing here is not afraid to stand in the face of uh, what's considered to be the norm. Be prepared to be that voice. And in a lot of ways, I think you make a strong case for Patrick Henry. If he was born and alive here in the modern age, he probably would be uh, a musician and would probably be using the music to bring those uh, notes there. Uh, so, you know, just delving beneath the surface, there's a lot there. And again, good imagery. This time, the imagery is more from the music than from the lyrics, necessarily. So, yeah, I, a lot I, I of, like this. I appreciate it. Well, I'm just sorry to interrupt. There's a slight delay between us. I just meant to say that a lot of that comes from the youth uh, for any, you know, aspiring musician or successful musicians. Um, uh, the chords that you're hearing that create that are sixths, and that's kind of the key, because with a sixth, you can do either a major or a minor on top of them. And that's kind of a trick I use sometimes to create that sort of angst. You're not quite sure where you're going with it, and then you can turn it into a major and kind of satisfy the listener for a moment and then take it back again <laughs> you know <laughs> well I, it definitely does that and i think again just from a purely aesthetic point it's the use of that dissidence and the lack of harmonics that really is setting the tone that this is just it's a serious message it may sound simple to you but listen because it's serious and i like that all right, um, let's keep the music moving along since we're uh, quickly running out of time and play uh, I Still Believe in Her next is what we will do. So uh, we'll talk a little about it as soon as we get it played. But ladies and gentlemen, again, this is Matt Fitzgibbons, I Still Believe in Her.
that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it. Abolish it. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. And I don't think that song could have ended in any better way. Great quote from Ronald Reagan. And again, a special just side humorous note. My wife, again, she was listening to that and she's like, did Ronald Reagan really say that? (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, you know, I was digging around on the internet many years ago. Um, actually, I shouldn't say many years ago because the album was released in 2012. This is often uh, entitled my previous album. The latest one is called Pawns. But um, I happened to stumble across because, uh, you know, I'm like a history geek, philosophy geek, and a computer geek. And I found this archive of these old sound recordings. And I happened to find this uh, cool recording by um, a pretty minor senator at the time, uh, John F. Kennedy, in 1958, I believe it was, on uh, Declaration, uh, uh, pardon me, Fourth of July, he, he recited the Declaration of Independence. I contacted the station down in New York that owned the file, took some tracking down, and it took like a month and a half or something to get permission to be able to use that, but they were very gracious and allowed me to use it. So I stuck the JFK quote in there, and then I contacted the, the Reagan Library to get, you know, all the legal credentials and everything required. And I got a response back from them in an hour, and I was like, this is interesting. <laughs> They're like, sure, go ahead. So, but I thought it was kind of important to cap it off with that. And, you know, again, go for the nonpartisan sort of a thing. And because uh, the bottom line is if JFK were to run today on his platform that he 
he won on originally, you know, he he'd be considered to the right of Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, that was, was something that uh, I actually we talk about it some. It uh, it boggles my mind thinking about it too, but I think about it quite often. Uh, JFK could not be a Democrat in today's party. Uh, just the simple fact in the quote that uh, you played, uh, the track there, uh, just the mention of inalienable rights uh, granted by the creator, uh, they literally boo the mentioning of a creator at the last Democratic convention. So uh, it's it's funny to kind of see where the party has gone because they still tout JFK as being uh, a great icon for their party. But there is absolutely no way he would be part of their party today, not because he wouldn't want to be. They wouldn't let him. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, it's kind of interesting historically because two years later, I believe it was in 1960, at the uh, – correct me if I'm wrong on the on the dates here, but at the uh, Barry Goldwater Convention when Ronald Reagan's political career was essentially launched and he was, you know, just an actor – who came up and gave an incredible speech that I would encourage anybody to read or, or better yet to go see the video of, but in it, he kind of starts it off and he's funny as Reagan always was. And he said, you know, I was a Democrat all my life, but I didn't leave the democratic party. They left me. And it's very interesting because right. um, he launches his political career during that election in a phenomenal speech that is uh, incredibly applicable today as well. Absolutely, and, and it is one of those really, really interesting ironies uh, that history uh, will play out. Again, you'll see similar stories come down the pike. I mean, today, Ronald Reagan is literally a Republican icon, and you know he, he's not kidding about having been a Democrat. He believed in the Democrat, and not all that dissimilar from uh, actually my own story in so much as my father – he believed in the Democratic Party because he believed that uh, the government should act as a safety net, and he wasn't ever quite willing to utilize that safety net himself because he felt like as long as he was able-bodied and he could work, he didn't need it. That was for people who really needed it. And, of course, when I got a little older and I started seeing the uh, the uh, error in allowing the government to take care of you uh, – as there's always a price to pay with that, uh, I started moving uh, pretty far to the right with my ideas and my ideology becoming far more conservative. But you know, it, it's a transition when you're raised in a democratic household. You have to make those moves. And while he never managed to allow himself to move away from his identity as a democrat he did acknowledge that the party was nowhere near the same as it was when he was actively participating in it. And I think we could find a lot of stories very similar to that if you took the time to look around. But, you know, again, the the amazing part here as far as your music is concerned, you maintain balance. You don't pick a side. You talk about what makes America great without saying, okay, it's all this, or okay, it's all that, you're still not taking a side. Have you ever had trouble staying neutral? Oh, big time. 
Oh yeah, big time. Most recently, in particular, you know, with the uh, with the addition of an incredible publicist that uh, got me out there and talking about um, so many of the current news cycle items and everything, and the fact that um, I wanted to be as nonpartisan as possible to try to reach as many people as possible with the idea of liberty and have them think and talk about it and spread the word and everything, and then to see Hillary Rodham Clinton totally, you know, incompetent person who under any other circumstance couldn't be given the lowest security clearance um, in government running for the highest security clearance. And it just, it, it just ate me up because, you know, I don't know how many radio shows I've done in the last six months or something um, and TV and stuff, but so many, I can't even count. And I got to tell you, it was God awful hard trying to trying to stay the heck out of the partisan politics when it was clear to me that um, whatever the Republican Party produced would be better than, <laughs> you know, than Hillary Rodham Clinton. I mean, you know, I mean, right. don't forget that it wasn't that long ago. It was supposed to be Jeb Bush and Hillary Clinton, and I, and I just was rolling my eyes saying to myself, Lord, please say it isn't so. I mean, you know, this republic cannot have aristocracy. It's the complete opposite of what we're based on, and they're talking about Bushes and Clintons. So, yeah, it was very difficult to keep my mouth shut, and I have to admit I didn't always succeed, but at least I had my music to fall back on and let people kind of, you know, create their own conclusions from what I was saying. All right. Have you found it uh, easier to get acceptance and traction from one political side as opposed to the other? I would imagine that conservatives are probably a little more open to a lot of your things, but that, I have to admit, probably is coming from the fact that I'm uh, somewhere between conservative and libertarian myself and uh, certainly constitutionalist, uh, so I'm probably a little biased on that. So uh, is is that the case, or have you found pretty much open uh, from both sides? Um, I wouldn't say from both sides, to be completely honest with you. I mean, I've seen uh, much more receptive, receptiveness um, from the political right, but I've also seen um, a lot of reception for receptiveness, again, I keep getting the word messed up, from uh, libertarians as well, the small L libertarians. Uh, I, I had something to do with the Free State Project up in New Hampshire um, over the course of you know the last 11 years that I've been doing this, and uh, I came to the conclusion that there was a famous libertarian author, not to get off on too much of a tangent here, who said that trying to get libertarians to uh, organize is like trying to herd cats. And there's a lot of truth in that. <laughs> so, um, you know, on an individual level, you know, these heavy thinkers and everybody who, you know, has, again, their utopian vision of being left alone, they generally are um, pretty receptive of it. But at the end of the day, um, there are a lot of people who, are Democrats who periodically will cross party lines sort of a thing. And, you know, they don't look at a flag and hate it. And all of a sudden, you know, spittle comes out of the corner of their mouth and they start swearing about racism and everything just because of a flag. That's just not normal. You know, <laughs> I mean, people like that, in my opinion, need medication. I mean, most normal human beings will take a look at this and say, you know what? Tolerance, um, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, the right to defend yourself. These are just basic concepts. These things go back as long as there's written 
you know, record of human history. I mean, we could go on and on about this, but I've written some extensive articles, for example, about the origin of the Second Amendment, and it goes back way beyond even ancient Greece. These are just natural concepts, and people who don't get it, I don't think they function on reason. They kind of work on emotion. Um, but so I would say, yeah, there's there's been more reception kind of on the right, and for those who are of, uh, you know, the liberty-oriented uh, um, kind of philosophical doctrines, those on the extreme left, um, I don't know. I mean, I wish I could reach them, but um, there's so much anger and vitriol and everything, and they're personally unsatisfied a lot as individuals that I kind of gave up on them. And uh, honestly, I kind of don't care anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like <laughs> you can only take so much nasty stuff from those people when you realize that they've got issues to fix before they open their mouths, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, every day I'd get chased off of Facebook. If I actually tried engaging with folks, I will, uh, you know, I'll make a comment. I might occasionally respond to one or two if something is just totally over the top. But usually I'll just I, I'll put out my uh, my post and then I will let the chips fall. I'll let folks say what they want to say. And I, I try to uh, position myself as a conversation starter, uh, not uh, just just the starter, not really trying to get in the middle of it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you have to have that same mindset. Uh, as long as you're enjoying what you're doing and you know that uh, what you're doing in your case uh, is the right thing for you, uh, all that becomes irrelevant. And uh, you know, there's a good uh, bit of advice in playing to the crowd that's going to going to accept you for who you are. You know, unfortunately, we've got about three minutes left, so there's not enough time to play any of the other music and i've got to tell you i am disappointed i still didn't get to some of these songs because um, there's still some good stuff that you'd sent me in and maybe we can get back together sometime and and finish that up but before all that let everybody know one last time where they can go if they're going to look for your stuff if they're looking for your work yeah so everything is available at patreonmusic.com and uh I also do a periodic radio show on uh, USABN.org. Um, uh, th this organization is a civilian disaster readiness network that I've been involved with for a very, very long time. And I have a show called uh, Patriot Pub that is very, very casual. Um, you know, I actually encourage people to have a beer or a glass of wine or whatever, call in with questions. We talk about history and philosophical issues and things like that, but all the music the videos, uh, my writings, um, I'm going to be out there playing gigs very, very soon. So if anyone's interested in having me come out and play private events or bigger events or whatever the case may be, everything is at patriotmusic.com. All right. Again, thank you very much for joining us tonight, uh, Matt. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your points of view. And I also definitely appreciate the sounds. I'm going to play us out one last time. Uh, as we sign out uh, to uh, uh, using both hands, just because I, I think it's uh, just too much fun not to play. Well, yeah, you know, it was fine. Thank for you so much, else. Tim, for the, for the kind words. Thank you, sir. Well, uh, like I said, the pleasure was mine and I, the honor uh, indeed. So that everybody else out there, remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in a little effort and... 
use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. That's it for tonight. We'll be back Sunday. We'll see you then. Have a great night, everybody, and a special thanks again out to Mary in the chat room and the folks who joined popped in earlier and popped back out. And one last time, thank you very much, uh, Matt Fitzgibbons. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.